Well, we began this new series, or began this series two, uh, last week. It's just a short two-week series, and we looked at this intriguing question: What's the one thing that God wants me to do more than any other thing? I mean, there's an awful lot packed into this Bible, and sometimes we might feel like, man, I don't even know it all, much less can I live it all. And so, if we could narrow it to one thing, that probably would help all of us. So, what is that one thing that God would want us to do more than any other thing? As I told you last week, we're indebted to a man who came to Jesus with that very question. Interesting thing was, he was not a believer in Jesus. He was not a Christ follower. He was a religious man, and so he came with a religious question. And his question was simply this, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, I told you last week, as we looked at the first half of Mark chapter 12, if you want to open your Bibles to that, I told you last week that the Jewish rabbis had taken the, the Ten Commandments, and out of those Ten Commandments had developed 613 different commandments. 248 positive, 365 negative, 248 things, this is what you should do, 365 things, you shouldn't do these. And no one could possibly fulfill all of those. No one could possibly remember all of those. So this guy had a very good question. His question was, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? Answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And we talked about this last Sunday, what that means. But when you look at these verses, it's easy to get caught up focusing on the wrong words. When we read this verse, normally we probably focus on the word all. Or we focus on the words strength and heart and, and mind and soul, those kinds of words, and those words are indeed important. Those are very strategic words in what Jesus had to say. But I think there is another word that's more foundational than those words. I told you last week that the word your is a word that's repeated in this text many times, four times. And really, I believe the word your is foundational to understanding everything else in the verse. Look at it again, and maybe if you, haven't, if you weren't here last week, you're going to want to mark this in your Bible. Look in verse 30. He says, or verse 29. No, verse 30. Love the Lord your God. Underline your God. Then he says, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You see, ladies and gentlemen, that word is foundational because it is your relationship with God that causes you to love him. You don't just love God, you love your God. It's your relationship with God that causes you to want to love Him. That relationship is foundational to everything else. So what is the one thing God wants you to do more than anything? Jesus said it's simply this, love God with no limits. You know why? Because He's your God. Not that He belongs to you, but you belong to Him. And if, if the Lord is your God, then love God with no limits. I love what Vance Pentman said. I heard him just this week. He said, God's primary call on your life is not ministry, it's intimacy. That spoke to my heart. That God's primary call on all of our lives is not things we can do for Him. It's not ministry, but it is intimacy. The focus of our life is an intimate pursuit of God. And that's what Jesus had in mind when he said, here's the greatest thing. Here's the one thing God wants you to do more than anything. God wants you to love him with no limits. 
Love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Can I just say to you in summary that if your life is out of whack, if things just aren't going well in your life, this is probably where you need to start. Am I loving God the way I'm supposed to? Am I loving God with no limits? Am I seeking intimacy with God on a daily basis? Is my perspective, is my drive, is my motivation intimacy with God? And if you're not seeking intimacy with God, that, my friend, is the reason life's not working the way it should. Now, that's kind of a summary of last week. Then we come to verse 31. And in verse 31, the man got more than he asked for. Remember, he came to Jesus and he said, what's the most important commandment? And so Jesus gave it to him. And in my mind, I can see the man getting ready and say, okay, got it. Love God. With all, got it. Thank you so much. And, and as he starts to walk away, Jesus said, and the second one. And the man said, wait, wait, wait. I only asked for one. I, I need to focus on one. Jesus said, I know you asked for one, but you know what? These things are so intertwined. I need to tell you about another commandment greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hate the Gentiles when it becomes possible. She said to Linus, Linus, this is a picture of the human heart. On one side, it's filled with love, and on the other side, it is filled with hate. And Linus, these two forces are constantly at war against each other. And in the last frame of the cartoon, Linus clutched, I think I know what you mean. I can feel them fighting. Some of you have felt that, haven't you? then I want you to know you don't have the capacity to love the people around you. But as you're seeking intimacy with God and you love Him with no limits, suddenly God begins to pour out His love into our hearts. And loving others becomes possible because we're loving God. You see, loving others is what the Spirit of God does in us and what He does through us. Now, there's a verse I want you to put in the reference there in your Bibles. Beside that passage, I want you to write down 1 John 4, 7 through 11. And then I want you to turn there with me. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Here's what we read in 1 John 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Would you underline that? Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. And this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then he says in verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Since God loved us this way, we also ought to love one another. I had a great experience this week in Cleveland. I was in Cleveland Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday uh, with some other pastors from South Carolina. We went on a pastor's vision trip trying to help them get connected with our church planners like Tony Lacetto and others in Cleveland. And so I was up there helping to lead that vision trip on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So you know what that means when we had the solar eclipse, totality and all that kind of stuff, and millions of people came to South Carolina, I left. 
I missed the solar eclipse. I missed the totality, at least. Now, in Cleveland, they did have the, uh, you know, a partial solar eclipse. It was actually 80%, which was pretty cool. But, so on Monday, I was in Cleveland there. I uh, gotten there early before others had. And so I was by myself, and I went out on the plaza in front of our hotel. And, and I got my, my cool glasses on, and I'm watching the eclipse. I had, you didn't know your pastor looked so styling, did you? And so I'm watching the eclipse, and you know, it was pretty cool. It was pretty amazing. Now, I need to tell you something about the These are not the glasses I was wearing. Uh, the glasses that I had, I, I'd gotten when I spoke at the, the Greenville Baptist Association recently. And it had the gospel presentation on it and a, a website for where to go get more information. And so I had those glasses. I was using them, and... After I got through watching the eclipse, and it was still there, but, you know, there's, you can only see it, so it's not like total eclipse where, you know, it only lasts for a minute or two. And so I said, okay, I've seen it, now what do I do? And I, I thought about that gospel presentation, and I thought, I need to give these to somebody. And so I just prayed real quick, Lord, is there somebody I can give these to, somebody that needs that message? And I thought maybe the people next to me, they didn't appear to have glasses, I would give, give it to them. And so I looked one more time, then I turned to give it to them, and they were gone. They walked away. I was trying to catch up with them, but, and I'm a pretty quick runner or a pretty quick walker, but they were ahead of me, and I couldn't catch up with them. I thought, ah, I blew it. And so I prayed again, Lord, is there somebody I'm supposed to give these to? And then I saw this big crowd of people looking up in the sky. There was about eight of them, and I, I, I said, anybody need glasses? Got glasses? And they said, no, we, we got all we need. And I said, okay, I blew it, and I kept walking. I was going toward the hotel. All of a sudden, as I stepped right in front of this lady, she, she was doing like this, and she's going, man, I need some glasses. Just as I got right in front of her, I said, here you go. And she's about, she's in her 40s. She sounded like she was from Brooklyn, New York or something. I can't really do her accent, but it was pretty cool. When, when I said, when she said, man, I need some glasses, I said, here you go. She looked at me, and she said, her eyes are real big. She said, you're an angel of God. <laughs> then, she, then she turned to her two girlfriends that were with her. He's an angel of God, I'm telling you. He's an angel of God. And I, I just gave her the glass, didn't say anything. I said, here you go, and you ladies have a good time. And I, I walked away, and as I walked away, I heard her behind me say, there goes an angel. And I was smiling because I knew I wasn't any angel until I thought about what that word angel means. You know what the word angel means? It means messenger. Literally, that's what the word means. It means messenger. You know what she was saying when she was saying, you're an angel of God? She was saying, only God could have done that. Because as she declared her need, I need some glasses, I literally stepped in front of her and said, here you go. That's why she said, you're an angel of God. It's like, only God could have done that. When I got to thinking about the term angel, and it means messenger, a messenger of God. An angel, is, they have a simple task. Their task is to convey the message of God to others. And I don't know if she needed the plan of salvation that was on that or if maybe one of her girlfriends would later view it. I don't know. I was just trying to be a messenger of God's love. And you see, that's really what God calls us all to do in various ways. It's simply to be a messenger of God's love. And when you are a messenger, a true messenger of the love of God, maybe someday somebody will call you an angel. Maybe someday somebody will say, only God could do that. I saw how he treated you, and yet you loved him anyway. 
Only God could have done that. Or maybe it's somebody who is lost and, and, and they keep fighting against you and against the gospel, but they sense something in you, don't they? They sense a love that they haven't sensed anywhere else. You know what you are? You're an angel. You're a messenger of God. I don't mean a literal angel, but you're a messenger. You're a messenger of God's love. That's what this passage is all about. Love God with no limits. Love God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then as you love Him, be a messenger of that love to others. Doesn't that make sense? Be a messenger of that love to others. Let me show you this in Scripture. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. His love is made obvious to others. They they may not see God, but they can see you. They may not know about God's love, but, but they know about your love. They may never have experienced the love of God unless they experience it through you. Could it be that God's calling you to be an angel to somebody? A messenger. Conveying the love of God to someone who desperately needs that message. Now, if you're like me, everybody look up here. If you're like me, we usually don't have any problem with loving one another so long as we can pick who the one another is. Right? You know, you know, there's some people, it's, it's pretty easy to love. And if you're nice to me and if you treat me well, I, I can do the same to you. And, it, and you know, if, if, if we have a mutual admiration society, I can love you as much as God wants me to. But it's those people that don't love me. And those people that aren't nice to me. Those people that don't respect me. Those people that say bad things about me. Those are the ones... Perhaps I need to be an angel to the most. And yet those are the ones that are the hardest to love, aren't they? And yet Jesus spoke about that very thing as well. Would you go with me now? Let me show you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 43. You have heard that it was said, this is Jesus speaking, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, where do you suppose they heard that? You know where they likely heard it? The rabbis translating, if, they were, if you will, Leviticus 19.18. Remember it says, love your people. And the rabbis would say, you know what that means? Loving your people means you don't have to love other people who aren't your people. The rabbi is explaining to them, you don't have to love the Gentiles, they're our enemies. God only tells us to love your people. God only tells us to love the Jews. And so they they had that kind of a background in their Jewish faith. And, And so Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor. Translation, love your people and hate your enemy. Translation, hate the Gentiles. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, and that you may that you may 
the sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? What if you greet only your brothers? What are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Boy, there's a powerful verse, isn't it? Because there's a lot of hate in our world today, isn't there? Our world is filled with hate. All you've got to do is turn on the television or uh, look online, look at the stories, read your newspapers if you still take a newspaper. It's, it's just everywhere. A lot of hate in our world today. There's the alt-right on one side and Antifa on the other side. There's protest and counter-protest. There's violence. There's hatred. There's, there's just all kinds of hate that's filling our country today. And here's what the Lord says about that. He says, love even your enemies. I love what Steve Gaines, our president of the Southern Baptist Convention says. He tweeted this recently. He said, when it comes to following Jesus, we only have one option regarding other people. We must love them, all of them. We don't have a choice as Christians. We're commanded to love one another. You see, this is real life stuff, isn't it? It's where you and I live and work. And these, when, we, when we experience people that aren't very loving, you know what God says? God says, you know, when I loved you, you were not very loving either. You know, when I loved you, you were not very nice either. When I loved you, you were a sinner and you were vile and you were rotten and in my holy presence, you were despicable. But I loved you anyway. And now that I have poured my love into your heart, you're to be a channel of sharing that love with other people. And the people that are the hardest to love are the people who need it the most. People who are the hardest to love are the people who need it the most. Well, Pastor, I don't know... I understand what you're saying, but I, if you knew so-and-so, if you understood what he said or what he did or, the, or what she... I understand all of that, but let's go back to 1 John again. 1 John chapter 4, you need to read verse 19 and following. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 and following. Every person needs to read this today, especially if you're struggling with loving somebody else. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love God, I'm sorry, we love because He first loved us. Here's the reason. We love because He first loved us. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And He has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. First John said, listen, you can claim that you love God. You can claim that you're keeping that first, most important commandment. But if there's others that you hate, you're a liar. I didn't say that. John said that. He said, if you claim that you love God, but, but there's also people that you hate then you haven't experienced, really, that love of God.
told you I was in Cleveland this week, and I, I met a man named John Avant. If that name sounds familiar to you, John Avant is going to be at our church in October preaching in revival. Uh, I have known John Avant from a distance. I had read his books. I have admired him. But this week I got to hang out with him some, and it was just an amazing time. He told a story uh, to our group uh, about recently coming back from the mission field and uh, being in a place, and he couldn't even tell us where he was. He said, I, he said, I was in the place in the Middle East, and he said, I can't reveal to you anything about that, that trip as far as where we were or who we were working with or anything like that. He said it was a Muslim country in the Middle East, a very high-risk area. He said, I, I met a man, a Muslim man, who was a Christian. And listen to this. In the past two years, he's baptized 500 other Muslim people. In two years, he's personally led to faith and baptized 500 Muslim men. This, this Muslim evangelist has been shot multiple times by his enemies. And yet, he, John says, but he uses that in his witnessing. Watch this. Everybody watch this. This is so good. He said he uses that in his witnessing. He'll go up to, into a Muslim community. He'll pull up his shirt and show the men the eight bullet holes in his body and says, you people did this to me. And I love you anyway. And all of a sudden, he has an audience. Because they can see the eight bullet holes in his body. And yet, they can see something else. They can see a genuine love in his spirit. You people did this to me. And I love you anyway. That's an angel of God, isn't it? Oh, not a literal angel. A messenger, a messenger of God's love, a man who has experienced the love of God. And when you experience the love of God, it's quite natural to share that love with others. Well, we need to see how this story ends because it has an incredible ending, or at least an intriguing ending. Back in John chapter 13, John chapter 13, uh, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, excuse me. Mark chapter 12, verse 31. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Then in verse 32, the man says, this teacher of the law says, Well said, teacher. The man replied, You're right in saying that God is one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all of your heart, with all of your understanding, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then, verse 34. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, look at this, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any questions. You are not far from the kingdom of God. What does that mean? I think it means this. As he looked at that teacher of the law who knew the word, he knew the scriptures, Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're, you're close to it. But now watch this. But you're not in it. You're not far from it. But you're not in it. You're, you're not far from it. Not yet in it. Not far, but still outside. I wonder why. I wonder why it was that Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God, but we have no record that, that he ever came into the kingdom of God. He may have. 
The next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, he may have thought about his conversations with the Lord, and he may have stepped into the kingdom of God. But at that moment, when he was speaking to Jesus, Jesus described him this way, you're not far from it. Parentheses, but you're not in it. I think that might describe some of you, or perhaps those watching in the Life Center, perhaps that describes your heart and your life. You know the scriptures, you know about God, you're not far from it. But you're not in it. You're still outside the family of God. And can I say to you that if you die that way, you will be forever outside the kingdom of God. And that's the tragedy, isn't it? That you can know all about God and you can be close to to stepping over that line of faith, but not yet stepping over it. Not yet coming to that place of total surrender. Not yet coming to that place where you just give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. You're not far from it, some of you. You've been coming to Mount Airy for a while now. and You've been hearing the gospel. and You've been thinking about it. And it seems like you're getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And I'm so glad that you're coming to church. And I'm so glad that you're watching online. And I'm so glad that you're stepping closer towards the edge. You're not far from taking that step of faith. But you're not yet in it. I'm hoping today you'll take that step. I'm hoping, I'm praying today that you'll say, today, I'm declaring myself as a follower of Jesus Christ. Today, I'm placing all of my hope in Jesus. Today, I'm finally ready to surrender everything to Him. Why would you do that? Because He loves you unconditionally. To such a degree that he died on the cross for your sins so that you could have a relationship with God. And you're not far from it, but you're not yet in it. Man, today would be a great day for you to say, Lord Jesus, I'm placing all of my hope in you. So I want to summarize this passage we've looked at for the last two weeks with two phrases. I want you to memorize them. I want you to learn them. I want you to live them. Here's the two phrases. Number one. Love God with no limits. Say that with me. Love God with no limits. If I were to say to you, what's the greatest commandment in all the Bible, then you're to say to me, love God with no limits. If I come up to you in the hallway and I say, hey, it's test time. What's the greatest commandment in the Scripture? Your response is going to be, love God with no limits. Here's your second assignment. Love others with no hesitation. Love others with no hesitation. Say it with me. Love others with no hesitation. Jesus said you love others like you love yourself. Love others with no hesitation. Well, what about those guys that I... Love others with no hesitation. But what about that group, love others with no hesitation? Because that's the way God loved you. He loved you without hesitation. He loves you. God is love. He's poured out His love in us. We're to love others the same way without hesitation. So let's say it together. We're going to say two together. Here we are. Here we go. We've got to memorize this now because we're going to try to live it out this week. Two greatest commandments in all the Bible are these. Number one, love God with no limits. Love others without hesitation. Can you imagine how your life may change if you just tried to do that this week? You try to love God with no limits and love others without hesitation. Do you imagine how God might use your life this week? If you love God with no limits and loved others without hesitation, 
Well, it might be that as you're walking away from somebody at work or at school, they may say, there goes an angel. Only God, only God could love like that. Let's pray about that together. Today, if you're on the verge of that great surrender, I hope that you'll say yes to Jesus. Because if you don't say yes to Jesus, then it becomes the great refusal. You see, that's your choice today. The great surrender or the great refusal. There's not a a third option there. There's not a a gray area where it's kind of hang out until I decide. No, no, it's either the great surrender or it's the great refusal. Today, if you need Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I hope and I pray that you'll surrender and say yes to Him. And for others of you, there might be that, that person in your life and you say, man, it's hard for me to love Him. And God doesn't, want, doesn't say that you have to have ooey-gooey feelings about them, but you must respond to them in loving actions. You say, Keith, I don't know if I can do that. And I, I would agree with you. I don't know if you can either. But I know God can. And that starts with you opening your life to Him. That, Lord God, just pour out your love in my heart so that I can pour it out to others. Seek intimacy with God first. And then love others without hesitation. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for loving us before we ever loved you. Now, may we model that love for others. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.